Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of our series called Logistics in Motion. And with me today is Peter Hawkins. And with me today is Arnon Mello. <laughs> Hi, Peter. So we decided to do this series uh, to talk about several subjects, of course, you know, logistics, supply chain, but also about entrepreneurship. Uh, and uh, we thought on this first episode, we would talk a little bit about how Mellowhawk Logistics came to be and, and how we had the idea and why we created a company and we started it 18 years ago. So uh, what do you think, Peter? I think we should share that story. Sure. And um, I think a lot of people will be um, surprised because it sounds like an old story that we tell all the time. But to be honest, we are uh, at a point of change now and we were at a point of change then. So I think that might be a nice story. Go ahead. Exactly. You start. I'll start. So I don't know if most people know, but I am an immigrant from Brazil and I moved to Canada by myself. And I always thought when I arrived here, I said, you know, I want to go to college. I want to study something. I want to have a, you know, a Canadian experience, whatever that is. And I, I worked in every job to survive until I uh, met a client at one of the jobs I had at the TD Center, a Grand and Toy, which doesn't exist anymore. And he said, well, you like business, you like languages, you should take this course at Seneca College called International Business Program. And I did. And I, I realized how fun it was. You know, it was about uh, it, it was about two things. It was about logistics, freight forwarding and about customs. And uh, anyway, I was accepted at this course. I went through it. I graduated with honors and um I got a job as a as a runner, basically an intern at a a German multinational company, and um, were were you a, a co op student there first? I was a co op. Yes, yeah. I was. Basically, tell a little, little bit about that. Yeah, um, basically the course required you know that you did a co op somewhere, hopefully in your field, and I was lucky enough to. Uh, uh, find a company, a, a German multinational that had just established an office in Toronto and they were just starting and there was like five employees and I was able to get an internship with them. And um, yeah, so during six months I was an intern and then as I graduated, so they offered me a, a permanent uh, position. And one thing that I remember about the college experience that I, I think I should share is, is this fear that people... Uh, you know, immigrants or foreigners that come to Canada and they have to go to school and they have this fear of the language, right, Peter? Like you go to school and you, oh my God, can I can I do this? Am I going to understand the teacher and am I going to be able to 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 study and perform whatever it is? And I remember the first day of school and I was petrified of going into class and the teacher, uh, the first teacher, asked everyone to go to the front of the class and introduce yourselves and tell your story where you're from and I was like oh my god so there I go front of the class talk and then the other 30 people that came after me um, had just as as not perfect English as I had so I realized that all those fears of you not being able to cope with a situation you know in with English in college uh, of course they went down out the window because I realized, yeah, I can do this and and everybody else is going to be okay and we're going to have our challenges. So for all of you listening that are that have this fear 
of the unknown. So forget about that. Just face it. Just go and speak whatever accent you have and you'll be fine. So that was... And I want to uh, echo that too because everybody in Canada is from somewhere else, as we know. And um, in our own company, um, everybody brought their diverse experience and English is a second language. And so we have these... Um, uh, people who perhaps don't speak perfect English, but they certainly speak better English than I do in their language. And so I have to admit that I am impressed with everybody who makes the effort. In addition to that, Arno is right. You have to just go out and speak because you have to start building your network. When you come to Canada, you have no network. So you have to build that network. Why? Because the opportunities are going to come to you from your networking. So Arno, when you found your co-op, it was actually not a case that somebody came to Seneca and said, we're looking for students. You started talking to people, letting people know, and then there was that guy from San Francisco who said, in fact, he knew the new president coming to Canada, and he gave you a referral, and you went and talked to the guy. And, I, you, know, you know, that was all networking. And networking is even more important now. And so I just want to underline those two facts, that whether you speak English perfectly or not, go forth and conquer. And... Don't be afraid of networking. Yes, you're absolutely right. It was, uh, you know, at that time, social media was non-existent, right? So it was about actually calling people and saying, look, I'm going to graduate. Do you, you know, if you hear something, whatever. Yeah. And I went and I uh, sent a letter to this president and, you know, said, I want to meet with you. I want an opportunity. And when I finally came face to face with him was, you know, I wanted him to understand that I want to basically uh, get my foot on the door. I would do whatever it takes for the experience because I had the technical experience, but I didn't have practical experience. And I said, look, I want to prove to you uh, that I can do this job and I can be a good uh, a good employee. And, and he gave me a chance. And there you go. I stayed with that company for uh, 10 years. You know, I went from a, an intern, a runner, to the manager of the air freight department. And that's how we would come to Mellowhawk. After 10 years, I was not, I can say, happy or challenged. Uh, my boss, who I adored, you know, basically was transferred and we had a new president and he wanted to bring his own team. And, and again, I felt that he thought that the team that was there was not good enough. And uh, I was feeling really uh, unappreciated. And um, I decided to, didn't know what I was going to do, but I decided to quit. I, I wanted to look for something, for something new. And it was, a, it was a struggle. It was a real struggle to um, leave a job that I loved and the people that I, I loved and, and actually venture. It's like, oh my God, can I do this, right? So it was, it was, um, it was difficult. And I remember looking at other people that had their own business for, at that time, already like five, ten years. And I kept talking to them and saying, how is it? How is it to have your own business? How is it? And he goes, well, you will never know until you have it. You can't live through my experience. It has to be your own experience. And uh, so that was it. I quit. And uh, basically the next day, we created Mellowhawk Logistics. I started working from the office at my house. And um, one lesson that was amazing here for me was how much my suppliers that I knew for so many years when they heard that I was on my own, 
they all came and said, look, we will support you. We'll give you credit, count on us. Uh, I had I had no idea that I had developed this strong relationship, this commitment with these people. And they were instrumental in Mellowhawk getting off, off the ground and, and starting it. And of course, the most important of all, our my clients, they, they trusted me, they I cared for them 24-7. And the moment I said I was leaving, they all said, okay, we're coming with you. And also that was major to, to, to give me uh, that security that I needed to, to start. And then, of course, Peter, you joined right after it because I got so busy that I needed help. So my uh, story is a little bit different. I was uh, working in publishing for years. I really had a dream job. I didn't even know it at the time, but I worked with wonderful people on beautiful products. It was really exciting and nice. But our company was bought by a much, much larger multinational and uh, spun out. And then uh, we tried to make a go of it with uh, just a smaller a group of people doing some products, and it it um, it never really took off. So eventually, a time came that I was out of work, and I was uh, overpriced and uh, the wrong age, and and really having a, a a terrible moment. And then Arno said, "Look, you know, we have this opportunity now that we're both at loose ends, and uh, I've started this. I want this to go, and I need you to help." And so the first time I knew anything about freight forwarding was as an owner, co-owner of a company. Exactly. And it was, um, I guess it was, it was difficult for you in the beginning because you came from, you know, publishing and you knew so much, but you, you were great and you're still great at sales, but you didn't have a lot of the, the actually not at all the technical knowledge that I did from from he, college. He, you started getting me to call for truck rates, and I would get truck rates. And the second they would ask me questions like tailgate, and I would say, "What the hell's a tailgate?" <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, you're on the phone with somebody trying to close a deal, and the whole time just trying, trying, trying to stick your hand into my mouth to make me say the words you need me to say <laughs> it was just so painful with the two of us over a table. <laughs> Pretty much on our tiny little office on Richmond Street with one desk. I mean, those those are the fun days. I mean, the days of um, so many challenges. But you're right. And then, you know, look at you now, 18 years later, you know, closing logistics deals all over the world. So it's um, it's amazing. And it's all about how much do you want to learn? And, and the sky's the limit, really. You just have to go after that that knowledge. So a couple of things. When we almost felt like we didn't have anything to lose, and so we had that advantage because a lot of people, when they're starting their new companies and starting their own projects, are worried. You know, they have families to support. Where's their meal? They're going to pay their rent and all that stuff. So you have to go in with both feet. There is no thing, nothing like being a part-time entrepreneur. So we did it, both feet. And um, to be honest... While we started making some money, we weren't really making a lot of money. And um, to really get ahead and break even and succeed, it was several years into the project. I remember the first time we hired somebody. That was crazy um, because we thought, oh, my God, we're going to be responsible for this person and we're going to be responsible for their livelihood. But we went for it and we did it. And then I remember the first time we took a vacation, which was four years into it, and that poor guy was alone running the company for a week. And we'd call, how are you? Oh, my God. And then we would 
say, okay, we'll be back on Friday. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. There was, there was, I, yeah, I, I, I exactly remember that. Um, and, and also, I guess the struggles of, um, as you said, uh, balancing the books, you know, every month having to play, pay our suppliers and get money from our clients and balance customs invoices and all of that. It, it was, it was difficult and, and challenging in, in the beginning. So, um, and to this day, you always have to pay attention to your books, right? And receivables, payables, and, and keep that, you know, balance really tight. Absolutely. We need to be paying attention to the bookkeeping, of course, because you want to know what's coming in, what's coming out. And you'd be surprised how much money you spend on things that are, are, are pointless, are useless. And um, um, and you also want to see your own success. It's really nice to see um, if you keep the books and pay attention to, attention to the numbers. Um, more and more they improve, and, and that, that's really gratifying because you know you have some happy customers. But of course, we also have those situations where we have our first bad customers and suddenly dealing with that, dealing with somebody who can't pay, won't pay, taking too long to pay. And all this time we're being these lovely fellows who are, you know, moved your cargo and we want to help you and now you won't pay. I remember the first time I had that kind of situation, I was so personally offended that they wouldn't pay. And then to find out they didn't even have the money to pay. They were totally able to talk to us and negotiate. And then, and, and the thing is, when you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And so we had a situation there where I didn't know about, you know, uh, organizations like BDC and uh, risk management and um, insurances for payables and receivables, like from EDC, if you're doing something foreign. So it really was... Um, uh, a trial by fire. Um, much later in it is when we started getting advice from people. Correct. Yeah, in the beginning, we were so busy. There were so many shipments. We we grew so fast that, you know, I, I talk about this with other people, is that it's it's necessary to have planning, right? But execution is also important. You can't just plan, plan, plan forever and not actually do the job or, or start the business. So in the beginning, we had some planning, but it was along the years that we got uh, more organized on this on this planning. It was like, it was so busy. Thank God there were so many shipments. There were so many clients that followed us. Um, and it was, uh, it was amazing and continue to be amazing. So we um, left the Little Richmond Street office and we went to uh, Broadview and we had a one room thing on Broadview and we even had a, a cocktail party to launch our uh, <laughs> tiny little office and, you know, had 200 people come and had everybody show up. It was really exciting. And uh, we started hiring staff. We also found something interesting about staff. The um, best experience for international shipping are people with uh, exposure to uh, foreign markets who aren't afraid of someone who speaks um, uh, a language different from their own or has an accent. And uh, in fact, the best experience we found with the staff we hired were people uh, with no Canadian experience. And um, it was the experience outside Canada that was valuable. It was their expertise that we found that was valuable. And it was their contacts, both back home, in their community here, and, you know, anywhere in between. So um, it really became sort of a new thing. And we grew quickly from there. And then we moved upstairs to an even bigger place. 
And then uh, eventually we realized that um, if we moved out to the airport, um, we would, uh, well, what really happened was our cutoff was always at three o'clock because to get stuff to the airport, you needed to have time to get through rush, rush hour traffic. Once we moved out to the airport to a location close to the airport, our cutoff now became 5.30 and 6. Well, 5.30 and 6 is two hours extra each day. So in a week, that's a whole extra day of work. And in fact, it proved to be a whole extra day of orders. So it was one of the best moves we ever made while it was very expensive. It was uh, an exciting thing to do, and we were able to do it. Correct. Um yeah, it was just, you know, another challenge. Oh, my God, we're moving out to a, a warehouse and a bigger office with, you know, at the time, I think we had like six staff that worked for us. So um, slowly and, and the international experience that you mentioned is so is so relevant because, you know, I was a, a college graduate. I knew that there were a lot of talent that were taking courses at um, the same college that I went to. And why not give them a chance to uh, to grow? And uh, that was the basis of our uh, employee. And, and it has been to this day because we've hired many people out of college in order to train them and, and uh, so they can uh, follow what our principles are for our company. So it's, it's uh, and also these people are challenged by themselves as well to improve every single day. So it's, uh, it's amazing to see and many articles have been written about us that we are a mini United Nations. So we have people from all over the world that works for us and it wasn't intentional in a way, but we're so happy to have them. You know, um, that United Nations actually spreads around the world too because we have gone out and visited our agents around the world, our partner agents, and um, you have to build relationships with those people to have trust. So we have visited, by and large, probably 80% of, of our agents around the world. And we have long-standing relationships with those people and uh, uh, to this day. One of the things that we're really proud about is the um, idea that uh, for many newcomers to Canada, we are their first job. I am part of their first network, Arno as well, um, but we really represent their first job, their first real connection. And... Um, um, that comes with good things and bad. You know, when you have your first job, you always want to do better and want to get out of it and you're impatient. But it's the on the good side of things, you really have a chance to successfully uh, establish yourself and um, um, make real connections here. So we're very proud of that. Yes. And, and one thing that I always say to everywhere that I speak to or to anyone, you have to have passion in what you're going to do in life, no matter what it is. If it's the field you graduated from, from college, if you um, are in a job, you need to find the passion to get out of bed every day and go to work and give 100% of yourself or ask to learn new things or ask to be trained. Uh, so find your passion wherever that is and follow it because... Uh, the money, I believe, will come along, right? The money always does come along. And uh, I never really believe those people that only do things for money and they are so unhappy every single day and so miserable. I just couldn't understand that concept. So I am the happiest person on earth uh, to, to be able to have uh, Mellowhawk and to have the team that we have. 
and uh, and be able to to follow our dreams every day. We certainly are lucky, and we certainly are blessed. Some funny things have happened along the way. One thing was we got a phone call once from this woman who said, you know that there's an actual contest for people who hire people from other countries? And I said, I didn't know there was a contest. Is there an award? And she said, there's an award. You should apply for it. So we started applying for awards. And um, we applied for one with um, the Toronto Region um, Immigrant Economic Council, and a very lovely award. However, we didn't win. The crazy thing is, the fellow who did win could not speak English. So I ended up doing the media, and we promoted that <laughs> runner-up position for about three years. And then from there, we found ourselves winning many other awards and getting exposure. And it's been lovely because there's been lots of great media about us where... Um, uh, people have just been willing to hear our story, and uh, we we love that. We hope to promote those individuals as well. But I just, uh, I uh, I think the give and take in the community, the give and take in uh, in our company has, um, you know, really stand, stood to benefit us. Some other funny things is um, our personalities are kind of funny. Arno is willing to take a chance. I have never taken a chance ever. <laughs> <laughs> So Arno loves to say, let's just do it. And I am, let's just think about it. And so <laughs> Pretty much. And so we have to balance. But that balance, I think, also prevents us from making a lot of mistakes. Correct. Oh, my God. So many stories about that. You know, I, I'm like, I know it's going to work. Let's, let's, uh, let's do it for sure. And... Um, about these awards, we were, of course, thrilled to win them, but also to see the feedback from our clients when we asked them to talk about us. It was just, it was just so touching and emotional to see things written about us and our staff as well, not just Peter and I. But so we hope um, with this series, of course, we started this, this uh, podcast talking about how Mellowhawk came to be but also as a means of inspiring you who are listening and afraid to go to challenge yourself. So uh, I always say, do it. Um, feel sorry for the things that you did instead of the things you dreamt about it and you never did it. So I think that's what we want to convey here. And, and hopefully on next uh, episodes, we're going to bring topics related to supply chain. Of course, COVID in the world has affecting how you move cargo. And uh, we're hoping to share those experiences with you and also bring an angle of uh, you being an entrepreneur. And that's what we hope for. Right, Peter? Absolutely. We want to talk about the entrepreneurial spirit and chances you can take. And we also want to talk about how you can promote yourself, whether it's you, your company or your product. The world has changed. The world has changed with COVID. The world has changed with technology. The world has changed with working from home. You're entirely in control of a little picture in a screen. So since you are in control, we are going to talk about ways to um, for you to take the best advantage of that for your future careers, whether it is starting your own business with the dream that you had and the product that you've developed, importing it or exporting it, creating it, or whether it's just uh, sharing inspiration and mentoring others, or if it's promoting and networking for yourself. We're happy to talk about all those things. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time.